It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. I'm uh, excited. Here we have Tuesday. We have two fantastic guests lined up for you. Can't wait to dive in and see what we can learn from them and what exciting things we can possibly take back to our companies, back to our cultures, back to our life, and hopefully, um, you know, make things a little bit better, learn, learn something today. So, you know, I've had the privilege of meeting so many inspiring leaders, uh, whether I connect, get connected with them to LinkedIn, meet them at a show, uh, wherever it may be, when I'm out speaking or something. Um, and, you know... I love to, you know, talk to people, have a conversation, deep dive with them on what they're thinking about. And so this show is really designed uh, for you to listen in on that, right? For this to be a little more formalized, a little more intentional, and I not be the only one who gets to hear the cool things that, you know, these people may be talking about. Um, we've had so many wonderful guests, so many wonderful stories come out of this. In fact, it was the basis of my first book, a best-selling book now, The Power of Company Culture. Love to have you check it out. Uh, you can find us on Amazon or wherever you buy books. The Audible version is coming any moment. I'm desperately waiting for the publisher to tell me when it's been released. Um, but if you're a traditional reader, it is there ready to go. Um, and and really is a culmination of, of some of the best stories from Southwest to General Motors, uh, Warby Parker, Zappos, I mean, so many, uh, Google, of course, um, and really talking about what the best of the best are doing with their cultures. So uh, Talent Talk uh, is where it all started. It's where the conversation begins. And we are live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as long as I'm not... Uh, you know, flying or, or somewhere uh, or celebrating something. Uh, in fact, I'll be speaking in Spain next week, so we won't have a show next week, but um, we'll, we'll certainly run a best of. But um, we'd love to have you interacting. We have iTunes. You can subscribe. Uh, hear all of our past shows there. You can also listen to iHeartRadio. If you do the Podbean thing, go to talenttalkradio.com. Love to have you subscribe and comment and tell us what you think. Um, and then, you know, the last bit of the business here before we get to our guests is we love to have you um, go on to Twitter. That's where we do our live tweeting, our live kind of conversation. So some of the best things that are um, some of the best things that we're talking about uh, that are said on the show, we put in there in our, as a tweet uh, at people G2 is where we do that. And we hashtag that with talent talk. If you agree, if you disagree, if you want to add your two cents, that's where you do it. Even if you're not seeing it live, you can still, if you're getting this after the fact, you can still find that there. Um, and, myself and, and my guests. We'd love to have that conversation there. So if you're on Twitter, join us. All right, let's go ahead and get to my guests. Uh, my first guest today will be Rob uh, Catalano, the Chief Engagement Officer and co-founder of Work Tango. And then we'll bring in, after a little commercial break, we'll bring in my second guest, uh, Zakia uh, uh, Mabry. Hopefully I'm saying that right. 
given history's, uh, you know, if we remember history correctly, I've probably said it wrong. Uh, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, but she is the founder and president of B Global Diversity and Inclusion Strategic Planning. Um, so we'll get to her in the second half of the show and find out exactly how bad I've screwed that up. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest, uh, Rob Catalano. Thank you, Rob, for having a easy name for me to say with only three letters at the beginning. Um, but welcome to Talent Talk. Thanks so much. Uh, glad to be here. Bang on with the pronunciation there. That was gold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? You know, what's important for us to know for our conversation today. And of course, we want to know more about what is Work Tango and what are you guys doing over there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess personally for myself, I've uh, been part of the HR technology and consulting world for the past 16 years. Uh, I actually started as a marketer. And what's interesting about all of the things I studied and were really passionate about why people made purchasing decisions or what their motivators were. When you finally get in the workplace, uh, the real passion started thinking, well, what do people uh, motivated about at work? Why do people come to work? Why do they give more discretionary effort? And the passion kind of switched over from, you know, the consumer to more about employees. And, you know, they're the same people at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, I spent a long time uh, growing an organization called Achievers uh, in the HR tech and rewards and recognition space. Uh, I spent 11 years growing that. Took me to, you know, from Toronto, where I originally was from, to San Francisco, to the UK, uh, and then came back to Toronto in 2015 and started up Work Tango. Um, and uh, really, just to come to your question about what Work Tango is all about, um, you know, I spent so many years seeing how companies were hearing the voice of their employees. And typically, it was what most companies used to do was an employee engagement survey once a year or you know, once every two years. Uh, it, it wasn't a great experience. People were spending you know, 100 questions of employees' time to go through that process, taking three months to get the data. It sat in HR's hands for another two months till it got to other people. And uh, by that time, it was a lot of time, effort, and resources spent and not a lot of ROI. So Rectangle was really built to help companies hear the voice of their employees, get those insights uh, in real time to any part of the organization and help companies act and actually change behaviors as a result of it. So it was really give employees a voice and give leaders actionable insight. Well, that's fantastic. I'd love to hear that. And you're really kind of echoing something I've said a few times on the show about those annual surveys. And, you know, my company, we, we hate those. We don't do them. Um, we, but we love to do more like we basically many ones, right? Like weekly or monthly type uh, things. So we know we're on track and we can get, uh, in fact, we even do like a weekly survey, right? So we're getting one question every week. We're getting constant information and able to make, you know, incremental changes to your point. You can't get data for three months and then try to figure it out and then let, you know, someone figure out how to actually handle that for two more months. And then you come up or bring in a consultant or do something. It's been a year before, like, you actually do anything. And by then, that people have been pissed off for a year or they've left or their problems have changed or, you know, whatever. It doesn't work. So sounds like you guys are right on track there. Um yeah, yeah, the insights the insights become irrelevant uh, by the time you actually are going to do anything about it. And I think the biggest challenge is there's no accountability, right? No one's going to change their behaviors or do anything different where they're going to check in 364 days later. So, you know, a lot of our customers may still do the big annual thing, but they might be checking in, to your point, biweekly, uh, more frequently, uh, really, again, to kind of build that level of accountability and really understand what's happening, right? Our companies move way faster than annual. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and it's funny how companies want their organizations to be fast. They want them to be innovative. And yet a lot of what they're doing to test that is not fast and not innovative, right? It's sort of slow and clunky. So you, 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 those things have to go hand in hand. 
Uh, well, it sounds like you are, you know, really on, on uh, kind of in tune and on tap with what's happening. So maybe what are let's start with what are some of the major trends that you're seeing uh, when it comes to talent management that maybe you're really focused on that you're diving into here for 2019? Yeah. So one thing that I think has continues to be a trend, but a lot of laggards are still I mean, you just named is really just a, the concept of agility. So it's not just you know, surveys a little more frequently, you know, the whole performance management process is moving from annual to a more frequent process. Uh, you know, I came from the world of rewards and recognition where companies are getting away from just rewarding someone for sitting in a seat for five years. Uh, and they're more recognizing daily values and behaviors to amplify those those in an organization. So I think, uh, you know, agility has become one where unfortunately, you know, there's still a lot of people jumping on, but really changing the process up. Um, but getting more specific to some other real trends I'm seeing, one is uh, a lot on the leadership enablement side of things. It's, it's organizations and HR teams really looking at their world and saying, listen, our job isn't to do everything for the department heads or the leaders and companies. It's more about enable them, serving information to them in real time, trusting them to act and make those decisions and adding a lot of accountability. We just mentioned you know, things like surveys. How do you get that information to those people? And that's where arguably, you know, engagement and performance really takes place is at the leadership level. Um, and I think what's driving a lot of that is the technology and, and analytics and insights world is becoming a lot easier uh, and, and enabling companies to do that, right? Enabling to serve up information in unique ways, predict actions, et cetera. Um, and I think a lot of those are what I'm seeing to be a lot of trends. Um, but on the, I guess, one of the newer ones, I think the technology is really supporting is kind of the concepts of nudge theories, right? Using AI, using algorithms to start nudging parts of the organization to, you know, act on certain behaviors or feedback from employees, um, look at to potential issues in, you know, possible retention using other data sources. So it's really just kind of helping companies come up for air and identify that something may be happening or uh, some of the data is identifying that, you know, a change might be taking place. Um, so yeah, a lot of other things are happening, but those are the things that, that I see on a day-to-day -day basis with our customers and you know people we're talking to in the space. And it's really fascinating to think that we could maybe design some things that could be happening around AI and around data that might help us, you know, predict better, might help us serve our our employees and our customers better. You know, how far out do you think that is? Do you think we can get to the point where, you know, there's sort of this like you know, this data is sort of being collected without anyone really having to try very hard. We're not really, it's not like a, a survey, right, where you require someone to be filling out all these questions. But, there, but there's all these other ways that we could be kind of figuring out whether or not clients are happy, whether or not people are satisfied with other employees, whether or not they're satisfied with their managers, whether or not, you know, there's all these different ways that we could be gauging these things, even facial recognition, right? Do are people even understanding inside of meetings and things like that? Do, do you think that's still science fiction, still, you know, far out? In the, or do you think that's right around the corner? No, I think it's definitely, you know, a reality in some places and closer than people may think. So think about what you just mentioned, something like surveys. I mean, what's happening today is even at WorkTango, we'll take this information. In real time, we can actually start nudging leaders with recommended actions or content to upskill themselves based on the lower sentiments of their teams or departments. Again, that's something that's simple, but that's happening today where you're using these nudges or this the data to try to recommend what leaders should do. Now, you mentioned something like facial recognition. You know, I've seen some programs out there where they're replacing the recruiter in terms of video interviewing, and it's looking at speech, facial uh, 
um, recognition in terms of are they giving eye contact, especially for things like customer focus type roles? Are they smiling, uh, intonation and tone? And those are the things that are actually screening people out before actually talking to a real human being. Um, so I think all these things are happening. And um, uh, there's actually one slide I usually put up when I talk um, the, about the upside down. Do you know the, uh, the Stranger Things show? Uh, I know the show, but I, I'm not a, a, a you know, I, I maybe seen a little bit of it, but I'm not an average watcher. Ah, so, Chris, you're so, missing yeah. out, man. <laughs> I, I hear it. So, well, explain it for, for anyone who maybe hasn't seen it. Give us the, uh, the, the broader explanation. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's this alternate universe called the Upside Down. It's where all this, you know, I won't give away too much, where all these crazy and freaky things happen. But I put up that slide and literally tell people, like, this isn't the Upside Down. Like, this isn't an alternate universe we're talking about in mm -hmm. terms of using this type of technology and the insights it can provide to make better decisions from a people or a business standpoint and, and learning a lot of things that are coming from the consumer space. Um, and it's really happening today. So, I mean, to your question, this it's, it's around the corner and some of it's even here. Right, right. Well, that's really fascinating stuff. And really, uh, whether it's something you want to use for your organization, whether or not it's a business you want to create, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there that the good news is we should be able to significantly impact um, how we're working. I mean, we spend so many hours uh, of our lives working, uh, we could do a lot better, right? We could be a lot happier. I love that point. Um, oh, sorry. I, you know, it's funny. When we started the company, we said we don't want a mission statement because everyone has a mission statement and missions end. So what we said is we want a passion statement, and that passion was to improve work lives. And work is actually in parentheses because, to your point, we spend most of our waking time at work. Uh, and if we're happy at work, we have great experiences, our lives are going to be better as well. So it's, it's been amazing to collect a group of you know, passionate individuals about that passion itself. Um, and, uh, we, you know, just, and I've been following you guys uh, you know, on the periphery for a while, and it's, it's been great to hear that type of message and a lot of believers out there. Um, and and you know, we're all waving the same flag. It's just how do we make sure we can kind of implement that into our organizations? Sure, sure. And I guess one of those entry points in, and maybe you could kind of elaborate on on what this is and how you use it and and what people should be thinking about. But this is you know that the idea of the employee voice. Uh, so maybe you could kind of deep dive on that for us. Yeah, so you know I use the example of employee engagement, and that's when people think about when they hear employee voice. You know, what feedback are we getting about engagement in the organization based on engagement drivers, et cetera. But employee voice is a more uh, robust kind of broad look at what employees are thinking and feeling. Um, so, for example, you know, I work with companies every day getting feedback from employees on change management or major business transformations, right? Why does change fail? Typically at the people level, but if we're not hearing their voice of what's happening, what some of the impacts of the change are at all levels, right? Not just at executives or leadership, but every employee, now you can start course correcting, being agile in terms of changing, you know, uh, some of the process. Uh, as we all know, success isn't linear, right? As we move and hear feedback from employees, we can, you know, adjust and make change throughout the process. Um, you know, again, things like engagement, change management. Uh, you know, one thing I'm seeing really growing is things like sentiment around inclusion and diversity in organizations. Right? People are using, you know new techniques to try and understand how do employees feel about, you know, belonging at work and, and items around inclusion. So it's not isolated to just engagement or engagement drivers, but, you know, you might get feedback on people's onboarding process of, you know, when they're exiting and what we could do better. And there's this whole, I think there's 28 different reasons that I've counted that uh, why people even use our platform to hear the voice of employees. And it's just broader than, than employee engagement. And that, and that's so important. And, you know, I wonder if you, so, 
a lot of what I, there is a sort of a fear for me uh, at some level about where this could be going, and, and let me explain what that is. So it's not that we wouldn't uh, better understand and make our people happy, but there is this. Sometimes we can get ourselves in a bubble, right? We can, and, and people can think that this is what they want. I, I've met a lot of people that thought they were happy and thought that where what they wanted was uh, enough, until they learned about something new, right? And this mm -hmm. is where leadership comes in to say, you know, we need to be bigger. We need to be better. We need to change direction of this ship. We need to do this thing. And and when we do those things, it often is disruptive. And people in, in at large, they're inherently don't want to to lose out on something. They don't want to, you know, things to change and things to go wrong. But when we try to keep the status quo, that ultimately can be our demise, right? That can be mm -hmm. how we fail, uh, no one thought Nokia would, was going to, you know, be toppled and suddenly, you know, their little flip phone was trash when Apple came along. Right. So how do we look at engagement and the employee voice and all of that and, and counter that with sometimes we do have to screw it all up. And sometimes we do have to be messy and 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 start again in order to survive and to be better. Yeah, I love the Nokia example, right? Like in our lifetimes, like Blockbuster, RIM, all these places came and went. So you know, no one's really safe at the end of the day. But um, you know, to your to your question there, I think, I you know what? To be honest, like it's tough for HR organizations, um, uh, especially when you think about adding new technology or blowing things up to run these types of things because it impacts every employee in the organization, right? There's a lot more change management and communication than for say a sales or marketing leader that wants to implement a new process or something in their team. So I do, you know, I do, I get it. Like I've been there. I understand it's a little more challenging, but I think, you know, sometimes you, you know, to your point, you do need to make that adjustment and change. Sometimes it is trying it with a smaller part of the organization, um, seeing the impact of it and getting feedback from it. But this gets back to what we talked about on agility, right? Like if you're going to roll something out and not ask for feedback until a year later, then how do you become agile in terms of adjusting that process and making it better over time? Um, so I think that that's one thing that companies are starting to do is we're less scared to blow it up because we're actually going to have this more active listening in our organization to understand what's working and what isn't. And then digging into those conversations based on, you know, where we can make adjustments. And the one thing that uh, the one frame I like to put in people's minds when it comes to getting this feedback from employees is we all think that these engagement surveys or this feedback are supposed to be bitch sessions. Right. But the reality is that there's two types of employee voice. One is dissatisfaction. Right. What are employees not happy with? But how do we bring out the second part of employee voice, which is it's more of participative management. Like, hey, employees, what would you do differently? How would you change it? What do you recommend? And it really flips it around in terms of what may not be working, right? And we're going to try things, and they're going to break, and that's cool, and that's a culture we're going to build in our companies. But what would you do differently? And now you actually really change that conversation around. Yeah, and, and do you think there's a potential for fatigue in that? I mean, as we are asking and we're having those conversations, is, is there a tipping point where we're you know, going too far? We're having too many conversations, we're ana you know, analysis through paralysis, uh, and, and if so, how do we avoid that? Yeah, so it's funny. You said even in your organization, you get into weekly pulses, and we get companies that do that all the time. And what I always say is there's not survey fatigue, it's lack of action fatigue, right? If we're not going to do something about this feedback, that's when employees tune out. That's when they don't want to be a part of the process. But if we're moving or changing or being and we're adjusting and being agile, 
that's where I find the rubber really hits the road. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, it's tough to maybe change your culture from going that frequent or maybe having that fatigue. But, you know, I see it all the time. People are asking feedback, you know, as, as quickly as weekly in their organizations to all employees. Right. Absolutely. Well, you write a lot about uh, the consumerization of HR. Uh, what does that really mean? And why is it so important that you you, know, you spend time writing on it? Yeah, so I think of, you know, I mentioned when we first started, right, employees and consumers are the same people. Uh, and the expectations and the experiences they have in the consumer world, you know, they have different expectations than what they used to have in the workplace. And it's still kind of crazy. You go into some organizations uh, and the technology or the process that you use in a company is like you went back two decades. Um, and employees, you know, these days aren't going to tolerate, the, you know, not being agile, not having information in real time. So I think companies are starting to look at what are companies doing to their consumers? How do they listen to them better? How do they engage them better? How do they make sure that they're there's more you know, specific communication that's more tailored to them, um, as opposed to just doing what we've always done for you know, the last number of years. So when I talk about it, it's companies using those consumer principles based on you know, our workplace that is a different workplace than it used to be. Um, think about how frustrated we get when our you know, Starbucks app doesn't work. Right? We want things in real time. There are employees that it takes two weeks to find out how many vacation days they have left, right? Like it's just this different world where we need to start meeting their kind of expectations as a consumer uh, and an employee. Yeah, it's amazing how we have gotten used to a certain expectation with how things work and an experience. And it's getting a lot better, but there's still a lot of stuff, a lot of programs, a lot of software, a lot of processes that are don't even get close to meeting that kind of expectation that really you could blame on Apple mostly. I mean, they sort of really gave us that, you know, geez, I have everything in one place and this all works. And, um, you know, I, I, I've seen it in, even with uh, like music equipment. I mean, that the fact that it, you can't, you know, update something on Bluetooth very quickly, you got to plug it in and do all this like, kind of old stuff. They, they've really struggled uh, to, to have that same experience, right? Um, and so, yeah, you're right. How do we get our employees, how do we get that to the right point um, uh, that we can help them, right, in a, in a very quick way? And so that, that, that's tough to do. You know, if you, it seems like you kind of have a, a good pulse on all this. Uh, I'm wondering if that maybe there's a book that you probably do a lot of reading, but is there a book that you're re reading right now or one that you typically suggest people check out? Yeah, so actually one that I'm I'm rereading just because I think there's some really interesting uh, concepts there that that I do talk about a lot is uh, it's called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits from Vern Harnish, and um, and it's not about employee voice per se, but it's about a lot of agility in companies on how they you know handle goal setting. I, I mean, if you're interested in performance management, there's concepts there around having companies have weekly goals, and that might seem crazy, but um, you know, how does that build alignment and lets you, allows you to course correct and really be agile through the performance management process. But that's one where I would strongly recommend. And it's a, kind of an oldie and a goodie, uh, you know, type of thing. Uh, but that's what I'm rereading right now. Well, and you mentioned uh, agile. So do you think agile and sprints and scrum, those kind of things, do they have a place in, in HR and in talent management and, and, and the kinds of, you know, places where you're playing? Yeah, I think they have to. Um, it was actually really funny. I was on a panel the other day, and one of the the, the individuals on the panel, CHRO of a relatively you know large size company, said, you know, they do performance management in Trello. 
right? This is a development tool that's helping companies do agile, you know, development, and they're using that for their performance, <clears throat> excuse me, their performance management process. So I think that um, there's definitely room for it. I think companies need to start thinking in that lens uh, and getting out of the whole world of quarterly and annual compliance checkboxes of things we have to do versus what's going to have the biggest impact on our employees and our teams. Oh, I love it because I love everything Scrum and Agile, so I think it's fantastic to hear you know, others are sort of go, kind of going that direction and, and looking at that, which is really what we're talking about here, these kind of micro moments, these little little ways to improve, little ways to, to work as a team and get better. Um, well, we're at the end here. We've gone. It's just gone by so quickly. I appreciate you being on the show, uh, and hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on the cool things you're doing. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about uh, you or learning more about Work Tango? Yeah, so you can always go to you know worktango.com. Uh, you can contact me on Twitter at Rob Catalano. Um, or if you want to hear some really cool tango music, you can call our phone line at one eight three three two two tango. Right? It doesn't get better than that. Two two uh, tango, man. You you nailed that, man. When you guys were doing that to find that right uh, name and the and the phone number and then the hold music, that's fantastic. So. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, hopefully, like I said, we'll have you come back at some point and we can uh, keep the conversation going. Uh, but thank you uh, so much for being here today. Yeah, Chris, really appreciate it. Had a blast and uh, have a good rest of the day. All right. Well, I'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with my second guest, uh, Zakia uh, Mabry. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, if you missed uh, my last guest, uh, Rob Catalan, you can listen to his interview. We'll get that posted up here the next week or two to iTunes, iHeartRadio, and everywhere you can find our podcast. Um, next up, we'll bring in my next guest, uh, Zakia uh, Mabry. Uh, and uh, she is uh, so she founder and president of B Global Diversity and Inclusion Strategic Planning. It's a mouthful, but I think it's going to be so really fascinating to find out more about uh, what she's doing. As a reminder, don't forget, you can tweet your questions at PeopleG2 right now. Keep that conversation going. Get all the best tidbits of our kind of live tweeting there. And don't forget to mention Talent Talk or, or visit TalentTalkRadio.com uh, and uh, can subscribe there. So uh, let's go ahead and bring her in. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So tell me how badly I've messed up your name. Please tell me the proper way to say it. Oh, my goodness. You did an awesome job. You said it perfectly. 
Well, I, I think I said it wrong about 12 times right before you got on. So good thing I said it right. <laughs> finally got it correct by the time we got you on here. So why don't you tell everyone more about yourself, uh, what you're doing, uh, you know, what makes you, you special here, especially for this uh, conversation we're having here today. And of course, tell us more about what you and your organization does. Okay. Well, let me just say I grew up as a military brat. I travel all over the world because my father was in the Army. I grew up mostly in Germany, and then he settled in Virginia. And to that point, that's where a lot of my appreciation for diversity and inclusion came from. And the company, my company, Be Global Diversity and Inclusion Strategic Planning, we focus on planning, um, organizational change, working with leadership middle managers and employees on improving diversity initiatives, facilitation, leadership development, and disability inclusion. That's just some of our service offerings. We just want to ensure the workplace is a better place for everyone to work. That's a little bit about what we do. So uh, what are your, uh, you know, focus organizations? What are some of the things that you kind of prefer to do or the kinds of organizations you prefer to work with, um, you know, that are kind of where you're able to really make the most maybe impact or or help them, you know, help them the most? Where where does that kind of focus sit? Well, at the end of the day, executives and managers need to be educated in all organizations. They're the front they're the front of the organization. So most organizations have unique business case for um, diversity and inclusion. And I prefer to work with organizations that have top leadership support or buy-in. If the leaders are not sure what to do when employees have already come to them with, with suggestions on how to make the organizational culture better, that's where we come in. We step in and say, hey, we're here to help you. So the organizations that we would like to support or any organization where leadership says we have a need um, or an issue and we'd just like to make the organization better. So any organization, but I prefer to work with organizations where there is top-down support. Oh, good. Uh, I know, you know, in a lot of organizations, um, they maybe have decided that they want to do something, uh, they might need your help. But do you find that, you know, a lot of organizations, even though they, they do want help and they want to change, they're still kind of reluctant to maybe disrupt their traditional leadership models or maybe they're, they're not really open to, to the new ideas. Even though they know they need to change, they're not really open to the new ideas and the challenges. And they kind of have that, you know, that old thought process. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, do, do you run into that or is it like, hey, we realize we have a problem. Tell us what to do. You know, wh- where, does, where does it sit in those two ends of the spectrum? Um, I definitely hear what you're saying. I will say it depends. Um, I've worked in the government and I've worked in private sector. So it it, it depends on which organization you're looking at. And also it will also look at generational differences. So I will say I ran ran into that a lot when I worked in the government sector um, where they did not the status quo. This is how we've always done it, and this is how we're going to continue to do it. That was more so the mind frame when I worked in government. And when I worked in private sector, I will say no. They always wanted to know how to improve processes um, more so. Um, What I would say, though, if you would, uh, to individuals who are running into that issue, what you would do is 
put together a plan how it's going to be value added if you have an idea and, and, and show that to the decision maker and then therefore how it's going to save money, time, um, manpower, and therefore what's going to be the return on investment and therefore the, the, the decision maker usually will have um, more apt to listen to what you're saying. Right, right, and 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 we noticed that um, you know I, I kind of noticed that the organizations that maybe need my help when I do consulting the most are often the ones that aren't really ready for it, right? Or they're not their eyes aren't completely open to it. Um, I, I I often get those companies that are doing a really good job and they want to do an even better job, and that's why they bring me mm-hmm. in. Um, mm-hmm. But really, it should be the ones who are really doing a terrible job <laughs> that should bring me in to help them, right? Because they could get so right. much more value. Do you run into right. that where it's you know companies who are already doing a pretty good job, you know, the, the B-plus students that want to be A-minus yeah. students? Or, yeah, or, absolutely. You know, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yes, yes. Um, that that seems to be the issue, um, but when you're having the conversations, and I, I know we're not talking about this just yet, but that's why you want to have more discussions, and that's why I'm having more discussions on LinkedIn. Um, so the, when you start the discussions about diversity, inclusion, equality, um, and open forums, it, it gets the ball rolling, gets leadership and middle managers to think about okay, where can we improve in our organization? And we'll see that organization X or Y is doing this. Okay, well, what are we doing in our organization? And then we also want to go into transparency. Many organizations are transparent about their numbers on their website, um, but there are so many organizations that are not. And the question is, why not? Um, and then when you look at in the candidates who are looking for jobs, you I recommend going to organizations that are being very transparent about their numbers because we all can do a better job, right? So we, you want to fit in where the people are being transparent and then you can be part of the solution. So leadership being transparent about your numbers and saying, hey, we can help in this area and then perhaps you can be part of the solution. So how long does it then take organizations to really transform? I mean, if they're, they're willing to do the work, they're, they've brought someone in like yourself to help them, how long do you, do you, and maybe they have that transparency that you're talking about, you know, how long does that transformation t- tend to take? Change takes a very long time. If you look at transformation, there's like eight steps from when there's the urgencies, when you're, okay, there's an urgent thing that we would like to change to forming the the initiative to enlisting the team of people that you want to when you're doing um, sustaining it, it can take years um, depending on what the change initiative is it can take up to 18 months it, 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 it varies depending on what the change actually is um, but you need to monitor it um, and set up um, a strategic plan, a communications plan. You have you have various stakeholders, um, and you need to hold people accountable. That's the main thing: hold people accountable for the change initiative, and have um, change agents on on, on the team um, to, for each um, level. 
Yeah, that's that's really really important. Um, and, and those in those other other things, I know one of the things we noticed in, in in looking at your background was that you're a real big believer in authentic storytelling, especially being a real catalyst for effective change. And I noticed that's a big part of change is being able to dem- to to talk about the story, to to deliver it to people so they understand what we're trying to do, why we're trying to do it, uh, and then not just be starting today, this is what we're doing from now on, right? But it's a story. Right. It's a, mm-hmm. the, the, there's something behind it. And I think last fall you started something called Game Changer Chat uh, with, with Zakia. Um, talk about this, uh, what that is, and, and if you know what kind of impact it's having uh, on leaders. Um, leaders are, okay, I can talk about how the initiative came to be. When I was an undergrad, my, my first major was mass communication. So I was um, editor of my college newspaper. Um, even in high school, I did mass communication. And then something happened, and I had to take a break from school, and then I actually changed my major to psychology. But I never lost the zest that I had for mass comm. So I used some of those transferable skills with this idea um, with my significant other, and I had this idea that I want to use this and tell stories for practitioners about what they're doing in their life on LinkedIn because no one's really that interested in what the key is doing, but I want to use the lives of others to share it with the world to propel other people to share what they're doing, and and then talk about it. Because everyone has a unique diversity story, even those you might not expect. And based on that, we can dialogue about it, and it can help someone else. I believe that when they share the story, you can see that it's viewed over a thousand times, and then it creates dialogue. And it actually, people write, wow, that story helped me. Then I get inboxes about how that this helped them because of this time in their life that something like this happened to them. And it's just an outpouring of how this touched them. So I believe it's a catalyst to help other people when they're going through something in their life. So I believe everyone is capable of inspiring others. And one of the taglines for our organization that you are the change agent. And I believe every single person can be a change agent. So that is what inspired um, the Game Changer Chat with Zakia. And we do them monthly. And just um, another professional is um, selected or they contact me and say they have something that they would like to share. And that's um, the Game Changer Chat with Zakia. Well, I really like that idea. It's, uh, I think it's really great in getting people to think about that and have those stories. Um, you know, diversity is something you, you said as we look to, to make change and, and, and have this type of, of thought process that, you know, change does move slowly. I, I remember once telling me, someone told me that the wheels of change grind very slowly. And despite all of my attempts over the years to get certain things to change, especially things that are impacted by culture and society and everything else, to, to move any faster, uh, it, it didn't work, right? It, it seems to be the very slow grind, although better, although forward, although improving, just, you know, it is a slow kind of rolling thing. Um, you know, do you think it's it's hard for organizations to, do, to really embrace everything they need to do? Or why do you think it's really kind of set up to be such a slow moving a bit of change uh, for us to get where we want to go, even though most people seem to be on board with where we want to go. Why does that change take so long? 
That's a good question, Chris. Uh, let me just say this. I think that, well, I know that everyone has bias, to include myself. Nonetheless, I believe it's difficult for individuals and organizations to embrace diversity because of some of our own biases, whether they're conscious or subconscious biases. Um, and sometimes we don't talk about emotional intelligence enough. And um, I think that could be some of the issue. Um, I would like to offer, if we were more self-aware, um, then maybe it would be less of a struggle. I think that emotional intelligence is what gives leaders a competitive edge, and it makes it easier to have the tough conversations, such as diversity. And when more individuals in the workplace are, have a higher level of emotional intelligence than the conversation about diversity, um, inclusion, and equality would be a lot easier. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, hopefully we can get better at that so we can move faster. Um, it's certainly something that, uh, it, you know, is important, but we do, there are those biases, unconscious, there are those things that people, you know, we still have and, and where where we untangle that at some point, I'm not sure, but it seems like a really important thing for us to figure out. Um, do, do you think there'll ever be a time when uh, less diverse organizations will begin to struggle more because they're missing out on, on the talent they could be having, or maybe the diversity of thought they could be having. You know, at, at what point does it, does it, does do things sort of tip, right, to where now, d despite whether or not they think it's, a, they want to do it or not, it becomes a competitive advantage, right? Do we, do we reach that threshold at some point? Um, absolutely. I believe that point will happen. Um, Groupthink would be less popular. I wish I had the crystal ball to say when that would happen. But I definitely see with the way things are going, um, it, it's going to happen um, in, in the future. But when, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you had that crystal ball, it'd be good to know. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe you could talk about what are some of the metrics you utilize to kind of measure success uh, in the organizations you're working with? Um, well, in some of the um, organizations that I work with, um, the metrics, of course, that we've measured um, is the length of service, the turnover, um, job satisfaction, excuse me, satisfaction um, surveys. And to the listeners out there, I know you have been pinged in your inbox about please fill out this survey. And a lot of times employees just ignore it. But please don't ignore those surveys. It is for the betterment of your organization. It is to actually make um, positive changes within your organization. Um, so those are some of the um, the data that is used to work with leadership to see how they can make positive change. And just like in your book, we're talking, when you're talking about engagement, we look at some of the data points that are gleaned from various surveys um, that are taken to see how the organization can move forward and where they can improve. 
So um, it actually helps to make things better in the organization. So this is just a plug for all organizations um, and employees. Fill out the surveys because I know I've, I, for focus groups, I, I've heard employees say nothing ever happens with the surveys. No, actually it does. The, um, the information is looked at and is analyzed. So employees, please complete the surveys. Thank you. <laughs> the the uh the the psa for the day i love it uh well uh, we'd love to ask our guests uh what kind of books they're reading and if they have any suggestions on ones that maybe we should check out or listeners should check out uh do you have one that to suggest for us well i have one that i would like for you to check out in the late spring it's actually a book that i'm writing i will be joining the club as a published author soon and i'm sitting Finishing the um, finishing touches on my book, and it's about diversity and inclusion, and it's actually going to be um, a, a workbook as well. And I don't want to give too many details yet as it's being finished, um, but um, I'll be um, celebrating my four-year anniversary of um, Be Global Diversity and Inclusion Strategic Planning, and my book will be coming out soon. So that's just a plug, and that's the exciting news that I'll be um, sharing first on your show. So I haven't been reading any books, but I've been writing a book. Well, that uh, certainly will be uh, a, a good book for all our guests to check out. Hopefully um, they can follow you and find out when that's coming out and where to get it. Uh, you know, speaking of which, how can people get a hold of you? How can they follow you? How can they find out more about working with your organization? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Lakia Mabry, last name M-A-B is on Bravo, E-R-Y. Or you can check out my website, which is B as the little Bravo, globaldiversity.com. All right. Well, um, Zakia, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm sure people will want to hopefully check out the work that you're doing, follow you on LinkedIn, and get a hold of you if they need help with inside their organizations. Um, hopefully, we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool things you're doing. But thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Chris. And I'd like to have you on Game Changer Chat. I'd love to. Uh, let me know. That'd be great. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, next week I will be uh, in Spain. I get to go and speak there and then run around and have a good time. So try not to feel too bad for me. Um, I'll try really hard. But anyways, um, we will not have a live show next week, but we will run a best of. Um, we'll pick a good one for you. You can always find all of our shows, all of our best ofs, on, tal on talenttalkradio.com. You can find us on iTunes at our Talent Talk, iHeartRadio, uh, or talenttalkradio.com. And uh, don't forget to let us know how we did on Twitter at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag Talent Talk to find all the live tweets, all the conversation going on. But until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio brought to you by PeopleG2. 